Hello, and welcome to Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Benny Gammerman. Benny is a composer and lyricist whose musicals include Alice, Wendy, Dorothy, which was presented in concert earlier this year by New York Theatre Barn, and Rager, which is currently being developed at the New Works Lab at Stratford in Stratford, Connecticut. He has an MFA from the Graduate Musical Theatre Writing Program at NYU and is a member of the New Opera and Musical Theatre Initiative. We're going to talk today about Meredith Wilson's 1957 musical, The Music Man. being here today. It is the most of a pleasure. (laughs) Well, we're going to get started with our get to know our guest questions. So what was your first experience with a musical? Uh, Watching Singing in the Rain on my grandma's TV in Great Neck, Long Island. And it was just one of the, I was probably five years old. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments where I was watching him splash around in the puddles and he was expressing the emotion of joy. And even at five, I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) I know what it's like to splash around in puddles and be overjoyed. And it was a moment where I, I'm sure not consciously, but subconsciously got that songs are a vehicle for emotion. Mm. And I think that just kind of started it all. Nice. What is the last great musical you saw and why? I'm going to be so liberal with your definition of great in that, <laughs> in that I had a great time. Yeah, that's totally valid. Seeing yeah. Moulin Rouge at uh, Emerson oh. in Boston. So going into that, yeah. I thought to myself, all right, I wonder if, I, I feel, I was, I was a babe in the woods. I was very naive. I was mm-hmm. like, I wonder if they'll be licensing any new songs, you know, since this movie came out. And the answer is yes, all of them. Mm-hmm. They've licensed virtually every pop song since that movie came out. Oh, wow. And the, the show is an exercise basically in, the thesis statement of the show is, mm-hmm. how many pop songs <laughs> can we cram into this show mm-hmm. while still maintaining a linear narrative? Now, did that work on a dramatic emotional level for me? Not exactly, mm-hmm. but I would never say I didn't get my money's worth. What older or classic show did you see recently for the first time, and what was your experience with it? Carousel. Oh. I saw Carousel with Joshua Henry and Jesse Muller, and my personal relationship with Carousel is that every time I, I mean, it was, that was the first time I saw it in theaters, mm-hmm. but every time I listen to it or watch the film or engage with it in any way, it is always weirder than I remembered it. <laughs> it's just the weirdest show ever. Yeah. The show, like, you go to a show that's called Carousel, you figure, like, I guess the carousel's gonna figure into the show. Right. The first scene of that show is like, you'll never work at this carousel again. And you're yeah. like, wait, 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 we're not gonna be, we're not going back to the carousel? <laughs> and then it just gets weirder from there, and then he goes to heaven, and then it's just, it's just, you know, I'm not saying it's not a masterpiece, because I think on some legitimate levels it is, but mm-hmm. it is just, it's just a strange yeah. show. I don't know. Do, do you feel similarly? or? Um, yeah, I haven't seen this production, and so it's been a while since I've seen it. I just remember there being like songs like Soliloquy. Sure. And then songs like 
it's been a real nice clam bake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's How interesting those, yeah, that yeah. those are both in the same, you know, musical, but... A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, the show starts out with, you know, uh, Billy Bigelow's former boss, like, also, we were having a relationship, and that's also done. And yeah. then everyone's singing about clams. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. And again, not in a bad way. It's just like, <laughs> they're going for it. Is there a musical one you saw recently, or an older one, that taught you something valuable about the craft of writing? Yes. Anastasia on Broadway. Oh. I'm, I'm gunning for Anastasia. I mean, <laughs> I saw that, and it was a reminder that there is no substitute for a well-oiled plot. Mm -hmm. That thing yeah. just ticks along. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can't be all plot. You can't be all exposition and mechanics because then you, you bog it down. But right. that is a perfect balance of everything. I didn't think it got enough love on Broadway because they, they, you know, they did some smart things. They removed some of the supernatural mm. elements and re kind of refocused it on the Bolshevik uprising and they created a villain character with some gray areas. And I just, you know, I, I am not saying that was innovative necessarily, but, you know, as far as like just a good time at the theater, yeah. I think that thing just hummed along. It was nice. Oh, and it yeah. just was a reminder like, hey, you know, don't pay too much attention to your plot, but also pay attention to your plot. But make sure it's it's going. Make sure it's make sure it's moving. Yeah. I mean, every scene in that in that show, you're just you're in a different place. Your your status quo has changed, and the stakes have changed. It's oh, great. It's wow. Fun. So, what's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love, and why would they be surprised? If if you're a friend of mine, you won't be surprised to know that I love the Prince of Egypt. Uh -huh. But I think the Prince of Egypt just gets no play. <laughs> and it deserves all the play. I think it's Stephen yeah. Schwartz's best work, full stop. It's very good. It's very good. People think of it as this like watered down Disney ripoff. And I get it because at the time it came out, mm -hmm. we're in the latter day of the Disney renaissance. Right. It's like people are kind of starting to lose interest in the mm -hmm. 2D animated musical. Yeah. And this kind of CG influenced biblical one comes out from DreamWorks. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But that thing, Stephen Schwartz just... You can tell he bled over that thing. And yeah. Hans Zimmer mm -hmm. produced the soundtrack. So what you get yeah. is this epic biblical Ten Commandments Hollywood sound and Brian Stokes Mitchell right. playing down tracks. Uh -huh. Ray Fiennes is, is Ramesses. He sings his own tracks. It's mm -hmm. great. And anyone who's sleeping on that show, I mean, or movie <laughs> rather, just watch it, man. It's great. Yeah, well, When You Believe is... A great, I mean, that song, my That's sister and I song. were like obsessed with singing that. Oh, as, see, like, there you duet, go. There you you go. know, when we were okay, when so who was Whit school. who was Whitney and who was Mariah, though? Oh, wait, which one's which? Oh, god, wait, now was I don't it remember. The first, I think I did the, the first, the first song. one who sings in that. Oh, my god, I know the no. song from front to back and I know their voices, yeah. but we're sitting right here, I can't tell you. Oh, well, but yeah, that is. An amazing song. They're, they've been trying to get that off the ground, the yeah. stage version of that off the ground, for a while. I remember I was yeah. working in some casting office like three or four years ago, and right. they were doing readings of that on Long Island. The yeah. second time I've brought up Long Island. I'm from Long Island, by the way, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> the problem is, it's like, 
you know, we're so used to these cinematic depictions of biblical texts. Yeah. And I feel like doing that on stage, even with all the money in the world, right. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, For yeah. sure. Cool. Um, so who is your favorite musical hero and villain character? Sweeney Todd for both. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. How could it not be Sweeney? It's my favorite show oh, wow. yeah. of all time. No, Sweeney Todd's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely ticks off those two boxes. So what? So what is it about that character that you love so much? Oh man, he's so human. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's obviously a monster, but guess what? Spoiler alert for everyone at home: <laughs> human beings are monsters. We're <laughs> monsters, y'all. Not all of us all the time, but most of us a lot of the time. Right. And it just it dramatizes that. Mm-hmm. And this man has love in his heart, and it was taken from him, and he became cruel. Yeah. And isn't that the story of so many of us? Yeah. Especially me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but not. Let's move on to our topic, which is my favorite show and yours. This is great. The Music Man. This is great. Oh, no, no. I just said Sweeney was my favorite show. Oh, that's true. That's true. But hold on. Music Man is in my top five. Yeah. It is permanent top five. I mean, five. I have a top five tier, too. Okay. But and I, I usually feel, put the Music Man at the top That's of the thing. Top. I feel like yeah. about your top five, it's always rotating. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I feel like, yeah, sure. F- favorite <laughs> favorite in the top tier. <laughs> yeah, it's, in the, it's in, not even in that top ten. It's in that top five. Yeah. I grew up watching the movie sure. of it. I didn't see it on stage. No, I saw it on stage in my high school. Did it oh when gosh. I was seven. And we went to see it. Awesome. Um, and uh, so I did see it on stage, but I mostly knew the the movie version. We would watch it like all the time. But yeah. What was your What was your intro to the Music Man? So weirdly enough, in a totally opposite fashion to how mm-hmm. I remember Singing in the Rain, I yeah. don't remember the first time I watched the Music Man. Yeah. Which Which is weird because for so many of my favorite musicals or movies or albums, whatever the derivation is, I yeah. usually remember where I was. And right. this one, I don't. It was just mm-hmm. always kind of there yeah. in the ether, you know, kind of surrounding me. And I just, little by little, mm-hmm. different parts of it clicked. And I guess my first, this is so embarrassing, but I'm going to share <laughs> it. Uh, the first time it really became a part of my life was when I was about 12. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for, and got in, mind you, to the Interlochen Arts Academy oh. summer program. Yeah, yeah. I had the craziest audition selections uh-huh. ever. I auditioned <laughs> with um, some fraction of maybe a third of Trouble, yeah. which features no singing. <laughs> like it's, it's like... Uh, does not showcase the fact that I could hit notes at right, all. Right. And also, I'm 12. Yeah. So I know at 12, I knew trouble. Right, But right. I don't remember, like, when I learned it. I just yeah. kind of always knew it. Right, right. And then, and then at some point, when I got whatever version of the iPhone that is my iPhone now, mm-hmm. which has no space, yeah. it, has the, it, has, it has negative space. <laughs> my, uh, the, the memory of my iPhone is a vacuum. Yeah. But I was like, all right, if I have to, I was like, I'm going to download a few f- pieces of music. Right, right. I went with the original Broadway cast oh. of The Music Man. Yeah. So I've lived with the original Broadway cast mm. recording of The Music Man. 
Whenever I don't have any service, yeah. like I'm on, trapped on a subway or I'm in the right. middle of the woods, I'm always in the middle of the woods. I actually am. Uh, <laughs> and I have, you know, I, I can't do my streaming. I can't do my, my right. Apple Music. I just, you know, I load up original Broadway cast of Music Man. And As it's just, and, yeah. and so I think over the years it has just seeped into my DNA yeah. on, a, on a very strong level. Yeah, I mean, I feel that too. Like, I feel like it's in my DNA in a way because like, yeah, it was always on, you know, we were up when we were growing up and um, for a while, I guess before I saw it on stage in the high school, but for a while, I would like see it on our TV, like the beginning scene with the train. Mm -hmm. And then another time I saw like the ending scene with the band. Right. And I, for a while, I thought it was two separate movies. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, they, I mean, they just look so different, too. Because, like, one's on sure. a train, and then he gets off the train and goes into some town. And then, like, there's this big, and then in the other, there's this big uh, marching band thing right. happening. And, uh, yeah, it's totally separate movies, I thought. But eventually, like, all the pieces came together as well. When did it click for you where you thought, I love this, this is my favorite? Oh, I don't know, because I think it was like very gradual. Um, it was always a favorite. Yeah. Like when I was little, like we had certain records that we would put on, uh, you know, cast albums and kind of act out in our living room with nice. my sister. And Amazing. that was definitely one of them. Yeah, like I can't pinpoint a specific time where I was like, this is my favorite sure, musical. Sure. I mean, I remember all the times I saw it on stage, like in... How was your Harold Hill, the high school version? This is very funny. He is now an Oscar-winning screenwriter. What? Yes, our Harold Hill in high school was Josh Singer, who went on to write for West Wing. Amazing. Um, he wrote Spotlight, and he wrote The Post, I think. Oh my gosh, I just watched that. So yeah, that was our Harold Hill. It's like, I find it so hard when you, like, that movie specifically, if you are so used to that movie, it has such a specific rhythm to it. Yeah, the 62. Every, like, every line you're so used to how it's being said in that movie. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so to hear, to like go see a show, you know, see it on stage and hear people like saying, I haven't got a son, but like not like that. Like that's sure. how it is in the movie. But does have they say like, well, I haven't got a son, and you're like, that is wrong. You said it wrong, you know. And it's like, right. it's so difficult to get the rhythm of the movie out of your head. I think that is probably a testament to how good the movie is. And the movie is so good. It's not like yeah, there are very many quibbles with it. Yeah, I watched, I rewatched it uh -huh. for this podcast. Yeah, and it's just like. Damn, the, the nitpicks are scant. Anyway, mm -hmm. we'll get there. Music Man comes out in 1957. Right. But it's dealing with musical styles beginning in, or even before 1912. Right. So you're already getting the late 50s view mm -hmm. of the early 1900s. Yeah. So like... It's almost right now we're engaging with it with two layers of rose-tinted glasses. Right. And it's, so what it is kind of, in effect, it's like a mixtape of early 20th century music. Mm. Everything distilled into one. And it does that while also pushing those genres forward. Mm -hmm. it, it, it takes styles of early 20th century music, but there's always a 
twist to it. Mm. And I'm going to, if I can, I'm literally going to read a YouTube comment right now. Because <laughs> it's a great YouTube comment. This is from uh, Marta Bergen. Hope I'm saying that right, Marta. She's not listening. Marta Bergen. <laughs> The songs in this musical fascinate me because they reflect the rhythm of a small, early 20th century town in the Midwest. You Got Trouble is part auctioneer, square dance caller, and backwoods preacher. The first number, which is Rock Island, brilli uh, pardon me, brilliantly mimics a train. Wells Fargo Wagon has a galloping sound, and the music lesson song mimics piano scales, and Pick a Little, Talk a Little is all fussy clucking hens. Mm -hmm. So it takes, again, you know, it takes, you know, uh, barbershop, uh, obviously marching bands, some more mm -hmm. Broadway and jazz tracks like Sadder But Wiser Girl, right. Mary. It takes these styles, and then there's always just a little twist on it mm -hmm. of kind of bringing it into the world yeah. and playing with it. Mm -hmm. And it's just electric. Yeah. One thing, I, I wish I could remember who said this to me, but I just thought this was such a wonderful comment about it. And he said that the score the, is basically saying, like, there's music everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Totally. There's music in everything. There's music in, you know, as that comment said, like, the scales and the train. Like, there's music in the train. And now it's become a song. Like, the songs kind of just, like, burst forth from the... The music that's already there. I love that, yeah. and and that is reflected in Harold Hill's line late in the show, mm -hmm. where Winthrop says there isn't even a band, and he uh -huh. goes, you know, there's always a band, mm -hmm. kid. There's I al always think there's, there's a band. Oh, right, there you go. I always think there's a band, kid. <laughs> yeah. He hears it too. Yeah. Even if even if he is swindled, you know, however many people out of money, for him, there's kind of always a band. Yeah. And and then the whole song "Till There Was You," like she never heard it, right? Like now oh. she's hearing the music too. I love it. That's a great take. Yeah, even <laughs> even though she uh, she sings "Goodnight My Someone" from the scale, so she obviously knows that. <laughs> she obviously <laughs> feels that the the music is there and is sprung forth in an earlier song, but. Uh, but yeah, the idea of that, like, you let me hear that there's music everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's art everywhere you look. You just have to yeah. be willing to receive it. Right. Willing to engage with it. Yeah. Because at the end, you know, that, that speech Marion makes at the end is, mm -hmm. think about who we were before Harold arrived. Right. And who we are now. We are now all engaging in art. Yeah. You know, we're dancing. Mm -hmm. We're singing. Yeah. We're making sets. We're doing all this stuff. We're making costumes. Right. Just because this guy even though he didn't know it, kind of yeah. heard it and saw it. Right, right, right. So as far as the genres we get, yeah. some of which are shouting, you know, 40, 50 years forward in time, as yeah. well as 40, 50 years backwards in time, mm -hmm. Rock Island, You Got Trouble are like proto-rap. They're mm -hmm. rhythmic like spoken, spoken word. word. They're like so good. The 70s or it's great. Yeah. And you got piano lessons, toys with blurring the lines between uh, diegetic and non-diegetic. Because yeah. the whole time, if you pay attention, they are sticking to it. Yeah, They're yeah, sticking yeah. to the exercise. Right. I mean, maybe every now and then they'll scooch up, but it's real close. Yeah. So you got diegetic, non-diegetic. And then you got pick a little uh, goodnight ladies and light a rose slash will mm -hmm. I ever tell you, which are both... I mean, they're, they're mashups. Yeah. It's not counterpoint, although, of course, it's utilized, but these right. are rather songs that function totally separately, yeah. but they are written to be combined. Right. So you got these mashups, 
And then, like I said before, you get your barbershop, marching band, Broadway, and jazz, and it just screams uh, 20th century America. It's great. I've definitely never thought of the score as that. It's always just been like kind of like a cohesive. And it is. Yeah. It's like it all, yeah, and it all works together. But I think maybe that does come from the fact that it's just from, it's so much of it is from the sounds of, of what's going on. Totally. And like, and the band, which mm-hmm. is a plot element. So that right. feels natural. Like everything feels so natural. Right. It's baked into the world. Yeah. Which is why I think also it works so well as a movie. Yeah. Because. Oh my God. That movie's a miracle. Yeah. Because it's like the. The songs, I mean, in that time period, they were making movie musicals more regularly, and they all felt like, you know, natural, mm-hmm. whereas, like, sometimes now, don't they don't feel as natural anymore. Don't but get me started. <laughs> because the songs are coming from the sounds that are there anyway, it it gives it, like, a lot more of a, a natural feel. Yeah. And, like, the songs are just like, oh, yeah. Like, you don't even, like, think about it. It's organic. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the Broadway cast album versus the film soundtrack? Because I have thoughts, too. Okay. Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Yeah. I, as you probably guess from what I described before, uh-huh. if I'm going to just listen to yeah. it, I'm original Broadway. Mm-hmm. I'm just listening because the sound yeah. is dynamite. It's bright and brassy, and it's all this natural reverb and acoustics. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, actually, all those things you and I were talking about mm-hmm. that function so well in the movie, yeah. there's less of it in the original. If you listen to the film soundtrack, you're getting kind of train sounds and hen sounds and all this stuff, and also the voices, especially of the townspeople, mm-hmm. are more character-y. Yeah. There's less singing and more just kind of speaking mm-hmm. lines. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you listen to that original Broadway cast album, it is just, I mean, you, it just takes you back to 1957, right. and you're just, you're in some wood paneled hall or recording studio in Midtown mm-hmm. with everyone nailing it and it's just electric to listen to I love it yeah even though it's weird like down to I want to go so micro here (laughs) so in the film version of you got trouble Mm -hmm. in the very first line Robert Preston kind of rolls his well Well, it's the first word well yeah yeah doesn't do it. No, <laughs> the original. That, he goes, well, well, yeah. like that alone. That I'm like, will whoa. Throw me. Yeah, that <laughs> stuff throws me because, like, the because as I mentioned before, like being so used to the film, like any deviation is like, what? No, that's wrong. But also, like, because I memorize, so like I memorize a lot of the songs from that show, but because I memorize them from the movie, any little difference is. Hard because like the opening, the Rock Island yeah. is longer in the show yep. than it is in the movie. So like, I have I don't um, I can't sing along with it because right. it's like there's this section that I don't know and I <laughs> <laughs> and I like need to do the movie version of it. <laughs> no, I, I I hear you. Yeah. But so if you so if you okay. Yeah. If left to your own devices. Yeah. If given the choice, you're going movie soundtrack. Yeah, I, th- I just have to. No, yeah, sure. Respect. It's, it's like, I, even though, you know, I love Barbara Cook and her voice and everybody, you know, 
the, as you were talking about the sound. Bro. You did it. That's a great segue into Barbara Cook versus Shirley Jones. I feel like we're yeah. gonna. Then, I feel like the both of us are gonna come down on the same side here. Then. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I'm a huge Barbara Cook fan. Her voice is just so wonderful that I probably, if I had to pick just based on voice alone, sure, I would go with you know Barbara Cook in the original. Uh, cast recording. Just technical prowess alone. Yeah. Style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Shirley Jones is fine. <laughs> oh, okay. So no, this is this is good because yeah, yeah. we do differ here. Oh, okay. So what so is you're, your? So you're saying? Yeah. Your preferred. Just on vocal. Just on vocal. I guess you really can then, at the end of the day, only compare the vocal. The vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I do like Shirley Jones, and again, like that's what I'm more used to sure. from the movie but um but yeah i don't want to leave i just don't want to leave barbara cook out entirely oh you can't you can't you can't but here but here's what i'm saying here here's okay. i guess here's the question i'm going for yeah you mm-hmm. shoshana greenberg someone says hey yeah you have 10 minutes of your life you can listen to or however many minutes are necessary you can listen to the barbara cook tracks and music man or the shirley jones tracks which do you prefer barbara cook See, I'm Shirley Jones. Huh, and that's why. But here's the th- here's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah. I'm biased. Yeah. Because my crush on Shirley Jones <laughs> is massive. And I know that. Yeah. I know I am absolutely blinded by that oh, crush. Oh, so funny. Which is why you have to keep that in check. Yeah. <laughs> so then it gets to this one song that's different. Oh my gosh, in yes. In the show and yes. the movie. Yes. In the movie, I'm oh, sorry, in the show, we have My White Knight. We do. And in the movie, it's, what's it called? Being, Being in love. love. Which takes some parts the, of My White Knight. The bridge is yeah, exactly is the, same. the same. All I want is a something. Whatever, is a kind yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of the thesis of the song. So it was yeah. smart that they kept that, part. kept that part. Yeah. It's a really slow number. Yeah. Whereas Being in Love, even though it's lyrical, yeah. it it jumps around a lot. Because yeah, yeah. even after you get Being in Love, bah, 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 it right. starts jumping around mm-hmm. and it just kind of shows off you know, that, you know, yeah. her voice. I just think My White Knight is such a beautiful song and Being in Love, while it is more upbeat, is, is lesser than, even though it has the, the bridge that's the same. I mean... You're probably right. Uh-huh. And this is why I need someone to check my bias <laughs> on Shirley Jones. Um, I will say, though, Shirley Jones, within being in love, has mm-hmm. my favorite acting choice oh, yeah. of hers, which is where, you know, this whole song in the movie, mm-hmm. she's singing quite loudly mm-hmm. uh, to her mom. Right. They're very close. Yeah. There, are, there are moments of this song where they are literally snuggling like in the nape of each other's neck <laughs> but Shirley Jones yeah. is just singing full volume right but then towards the end of it she screams in her mom's face uh-huh. I'm trying to think it's the words are just once um oh yeah it's just like once. just what yeah. she's singing she's singing it's already really loud and right. then she's like just once <laughs> in her mom's face it's like whoa your mom is right there you're in the kitchen yeah. she's listening to you because they really wanted some energy there yeah she just like i don't know whenever i whenever i that song comes on in the car or yeah. i'm listening to it with friends i just scream that i just scream that <laughs> just once it's funny i never like really thought that much about that 
line, but now that you mention it, it's like, yeah, that is really weird. It's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> Who was like, Shirley, I know you're, I know you're being loud, but you could go louder. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, <laughs> I got it. No, no problem. <laughs> Meredith Wilson, who was this dude? That question for me is a genuine question in that yeah. I really don't know yeah. other Meredith Wilson shows. There's, okay, there's the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yep. And this new musical, not new musical, but a musical I recently discovered exists. Here's Love, which is an adaptation of Miracle yes. on 34th Street? Yes. So First of all, why change the title? The whole thing is about Santa and Christmas. Here's Love could be about literally anything. Yeah, well, maybe they wanted to focus on the, the love story aspect. There's this one song from it that I heard and I love called uh, Love Come Take Me Again. Hmm. And it's beautiful and it's just like you listen to that and you're like, yeah, Meredith Wilson could really write those love songs that were so like simply written, but then also like really complex, like yeah. getting at complex emotions. The crazy thing for me, and I have some some Meredith Wilson facts I want to run off because <laughs> it's actually he's actually a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, but, uh, and I will say that for my ch much of my childhood, I thought it was a woman because of oh, hundred percent. The first I don't know, ten yeah. years, fifteen years of my life, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, Meredith. I mean, I was disappointed. I was like, oh wow, there was this female. Oh yeah, it's kind <laughs> female, of a bummer, right? Uh, you know, musical theater writer wrote her own show. Oh man! And then I, I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, womp. Um, no, I think, I think the, the the thing that really piques my interest about him is that yeah. it's not just that the Music Man is a good show or a great show. It's that I am of the opinion mm -hmm. that basically every song mm -hmm. in the Music Man you could argue is a classic. Yeah, people know people. You stop someone on the street, and you go, well, it's far away. And they're like, come. And like, yeah. people just know it. They just know it. Yeah. And then the fall off mm -hmm. after that show yeah. to his, I don't know any songs from mm -hmm. any of his, and, and maybe yeah. that's my bad. Maybe that, but they're I'm just saying, like, he just, yeah. like, suffused American culture forever with one show. Yeah. And then maybe that was such a flex. It was just like, all right, I, that was all. That's kind of, yeah. to a certain degree, what I got. I have. Want to hear some Meredith Wilson facts? Oh sure. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay. He had a sister twelve years his senior. Oh. Maybe setting up the Winthrop Marion age difference. Yeah. He was a member of John Philip Sousa's band Whoa. in the early 1920s. So oh. it wasn't just lip service. He yeah. actually worked uh, with uh, John Philip Sousa as a Flautist. Wow. Um, composed the score for Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, 1940. Really? Pretty, pretty sweet credit. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, I was like, you know, like, it sounded like I was hating on him before. Yeah. This guy's resume is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he, he could obviously do it all. He could play the flute in a marching band. He could music direct. He could right. sing and perform himself. This guy was a beast. So, uh, oh, during World War II, uh, he joined the Armed Forces Radio Service, uh, working with George Burns and Gracie Allen. Wow. He was kind of a third wheel to them. Uh, okay, this, is, this, I think, probably speaks to why the music man is so much um, more well-known than his other work, mm -hmm. is that I think 
the sheer amount of time he put into it mm. um, is nothing like what he put into his. Because Music Man comes out in '57, right. and then he does th- his next um, two or three shows are pretty much separated by two or three years, mm-hmm. and they're either adaptations or they are related to things that are not so closely right. part of his upbringing. You know, he's from Iowa. Yeah. Uh, so here we, here we go. It took Wilson some eight years <laughs> and 30 revisions to complete the musical for which he wrote more than 40 songs. Wow. One more. Uh-huh. I ha- this blew my, I'm literally reading this in the car on the way over here today. <laughs> this blew my mind. He composed, maybe you know this, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. I had absolutely no idea. I guess I did know that, but it's not like a fact that I keep at the front of my brain or anything. Well, that was your mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's 55 uh-huh. when the Music Man opens. Okay. But after that, as far as musicals go, yeah, it's like one is a home run that not only clears the baseball park, but the baseball park in the next town and the next mm-hmm. town. And I think it was just, again, like it was just so much a part. It was so much a culmination of everything he had learned, everything about where he was from, everything he loved. My guess, and this is pure conjecture, is that nothing from him after that could probably compare. Yeah. I mean, some people only have like one story in them. What makes this show work? What keeps it fresh? Yeah. Um, So I think there are elements of this show that are just somehow... um, inescapably modern. America has a fascination and a love, as we have all awfully come to realize too late. We have a love of con men. We love this stuff. Harold Hill is not his name. (laughs) It's Greg. Gregory. Greg. Harold Hill. Not his name. By the end of the show, Marion has no idea what his name is. He's a liar. Yeah. He's a liar. He's a criminal. We yeah. love him. It's as American as apple pie. Yeah. And I think that is just, and again, we are witnessing the real dark side of this right now in America. Yeah. But that is just one of those elements that is probably never going to fade away. We yeah. glamorize fast-talking criminals. Yeah. From your Tony Soprano to your Harold Hill. Yeah. They're so smooth. They're, They're so smooth-talking. I mean, and... he's charismatic. Yeah. So I think there's that. I think, um, I think uh, Marion is just a tad feminist. Mm-hmm. Marion wants what she wants. Yeah. She's not gonna sell. Right. She doesn't want some. She schmuck. doesn't want a common masher. She doesn't. I. I'm so <laughs> glad you called out that line. The values that Marion holds. She's right. trying to keep this community educated. Right. She's trying to promote the arts. She's trying to make sure that people are reading books that matter. Yeah. I mean, she really, truly has a mission, and then she realizes that this guy who she knows is you know, immoral yeah. and disingenuous is almost kind of accidentally encouraging that mission. She never falls under his spell. Right, she knows who he is. She knows, and she makes the decision to say, like, look what you're doing to these people. Like, my brother is happy again. Like, yeah, maybe exactly. we Maybe we need you here. Yeah. You know? And uh, so she like makes the decision not to tell yeah. anybody. If anything, it's a little like utilitarian on her end. Like she uh-huh. almost ends up using him uh-huh. more. He tries to <laughs> he tries to use her. Like yeah. oh I'm I'm gonna, you know, 
I'm gonna seduce, swoon this. Right, because she's the only one that could find me out. She's the one who could expose me. But she's like, oh no, I'm gonna let this guy do his thing because his thing is making my life better. And all of a sudden these people who were opposed to books in their life and arts in their life and my brother who was not connecting with a paternal figure and who was not speaking and again, you know, I'm like, and she like, she doesn't even really give him that. She, she never sleeps with the guy. She yeah. gives him a peck on the bridge. Yeah. She's just like, I am not going to expose this guy yeah. because what this guy is doing benefits the town and right. benefits me. Do, do, do I'm saying I don't believe she falls? No, I think I, I think you yeah. have to believe they fall in love. Right, right. But I'm saying she ends up using him as right. much as he yeah, tries that's a really to good use point. her. Yeah, and it's like the fact that she then teaches the kids to play. Right really fast Um, (laughs) (laughs) but um so that he can be you know saved and stay in the town yeah she's a great character yeah um and what's also great about her a friend said this to me once and i was like wow that's so true like she yeah it's well it's like you were saying like she sees his worth like that's a very important quality in a person to be able to see the worth of somebody who is ostensibly a bad person I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I th- and, and I think that is a really unique and captivating part of their romance is that they both see, they both don't intend to, yeah. but both end up seeing the worth in each other. Right. Which right. is really nice. Yeah. Dramatically. You know? mm-hmm. Can we talk about Wells Fargo Wagon for we, a bit? We can. That is such an important song in the show. And because um, it ends it ends the first act right yeah yeah which uh, which is like usually means like here's a turning point um, but it's when the it's when the band uniforms arrive certainly the instruments because oh so the instruments because he gives he's hiding in the back of the car he gives right, right. Winthrop his instruments yeah so it's definitely when the the instruments arrive yes and uh, so uh, so in a way you're saying like well he is delivering like he is delivering on some of his stuff you would think that a con man would take the money and run. You really would think. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, instruments arrive. Not only instruments, uniforms that are tailor-made to measurements and instruction books. (laughs) So you're like, wait a minute, so what is, what's holding these people back again? Yeah. And like, he's, and he's there, like, Teaching them through this weird think system. I know. He's like holding, he has a syllabus. I mean, it's yeah. again, like it's BS. Right. But somewhat, but he went to someone on the school board and was like, hey, can I have, you know, room A5? Right. From three to five. And they were like, absolutely. How many days need it? And he was like, well, at least two weeks. Like he's, yeah. he's there. Yeah. He's in the town. I guess that, I guess like it gives him more time in a place so he doesn't have to keep like running from one place to another. Again, so this, this is, and this, this I, I can't get around this. I'm not trying to poke holes. I love it. <laughs> but I, you know, he has to be upcharging. Uh-huh. It's the only way. Yeah. He has to be upcharging for everything mm. and taking it off the top. Otherwise, there, can you tell me what the scheme is? I don't know what the scheme is. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, where is his money? I, lessons? Lessons, I guess. I just... Technically, they're getting what they assume he's gonna teach them. Yeah. I don't know if he ever says that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if technically 
he, I mean, he's obviously leading them on. He's yeah. obviously being dishonest. But I don't even know if he's, does he say I will teach them how well, to play he, this? He might. Well, he said he's here to organize a River City Boys band. Organize and teach <laughs> are not the same thing. Anyway, I'm just yeah. saying, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If he's making money. Right. It can't be that much. Yeah. And it's, it's not even that dishonest. Because again. Yeah. These, they, they are getting certifiable quality goods. <laughs> right, which come in the Wells Fargo wagon. Which come in the Wells Fargo wagon. The whole crux of the show mm-hmm. rests on the fact that, oh, Harold Hill doesn't know a stitch about music. Yeah. Bullshit. Right. Harold Hill carries around a pitch pipe, <laughs> is able to teach... Four-part harm. That's that has to be diegetic. Yeah. Because it because he uses it to distract them constantly. Right. Right. He's able to teach four-part harmony. Carries around a pitch pipe. Yeah. Knows a lot about the history of marching bands. He's saying, "I will help you form a boys band," which yeah. he indisputably does. Yes. I'm not saying he can read music. Yeah. I'm not saying that. And I'm also not saying he's a liar, because he is a liar. He's totally trying to skip down. He's totally trying to cheat these people. Yeah. I'm just saying the, 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 the show is plays so fast and loose with, with what he can and cannot do, mm. and is so, so bizarrely microscopic. Yeah. With oh, it's just the reading of the music? <laughs> but he, all everything else he can do? I yeah. don't know. Well, let's get to our Why Is This So Good, which is also Music Man related. We're yes. going to talk about Trouble, oh which um, you know is probably one of the most fun songs to recite. Yes. You know, something that Aaron Sorkin does mm-hmm. in his screenplays and his plays is that he gives you the pleasure yeah. of watching someone who is really good at their job. Yeah. do their job well with a high degree of mm. technical proficiency. Yes. And I think that's part of what is so fun. Yeah. But it's like, well, look how good this guy is. Look how good yeah. this con man is. And I think it's, right. this great, it's this great combination of character, yeah. motive, and his strategy. How am I yeah. going to dupe these people? Well, it's so interesting how like he uses the pool table. It's great. Like... You, it's like this random pool table that's coming to town and he takes that beer and he like spins it into like this whole yeah thing that is going to make them so riled up that they are like receptive to the idea of a marching band. I'm bringing it back to Trump. Again, <laughs> Harold Hill and Trump are not the same thing, but yeah. they're both con men and watching it recently... I was like, oh, it's like you're you're creating a fear that isn't necessarily there. Like, this is the thing you guys should be scared of, and right. this is the reason why you should give me money and power. Right. It's con man tactics. Yeah. It's con man. All the references in that song too. So antiquated. I I, I have yeah. most of it committed to memory, yeah. and, but I'm saying words that. Like, what's Bevo? I know. I don't what's know. Cubits? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look it up, and it's. That information is not easily accessible. Yeah. It's so Captain far. Captain Billy's whiz bag. That's a little easier. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, okay. But this stuff is like, it's so antiquated. Yeah. Over a hundred, these references are over a hundred years old. <laughs> Should we each pick a part of it to do? Okay. How much do you have it to do? How much do you have it? Memorize the whole thing. Just pick, pick an entry point. Um, I'll just start from the beginning. I think that's easier. And I'm going to do the roll. <laughs> oh my God, do the roll. 
Well, you got trouble, my friends. I say you got trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say it. I consider the hours I spend with a cue in my hands are golden. Well, helps you cultivate horse sense with a cool head and a keen eye. Do you ever take and try and give an ironclad leave to yourself from a three-rail billiard shot? Well, just as I say, it takes judgment, brains, and maturity to score in a ball-flying game, I say that any boob, boob can take and shove a ball in a pocket. And I call that slot the first big steps on the road to the depths of degradation. I say first, medicinal wine from a teaspoon, then beer from a bottle. Yeah! <laughs> Amazing. I, I was just so fun. I will, the rhythms I will so jump in on. Yeah. No, I know all you folks are the right kind of parents. I'm going to be perfectly frank. Would you like to know what kind of conversation goes on while they're roaming around that hall? They'd be trying out Bevo, trying out Cubets, trying out TaylorMade's like cigarette fiends, <gasps> and bragging all about how they're going to cover up a telltale breath with sense. And one fine night, they leave the pool hall, headed for the dance of the army, libertine men and scarlet women, and ragtime, shameless music that'll grab your son, your daughter, in the arms of a jungle, animal instinct, mass hysteria. Brains, the idle brain? Idle brain? Yeah. Idle brain, yeah. Idle brain. <laughs> the devil's playground. Trello. Right here in River City, where the capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. We've surely got trouble. Right here in River City. Got to figure out a way to keep the young ones moral after school. We we just had to. Well, great. Let's um, wrap up and do um, just our something wonderful section, which is just something we're excited about coming up or like something current that we are excited to talk about uh, in the musical theater world. If you think I'm going to break your streak of mentions on this, <laughs> you're wrong. Michael R. Jackson, A Strange Loop, Playwrights Horizons. It's been in my planner for months. <laughs> as soon as I heard about it, it is, it's, it's, it's not even... It's so far ahead that it's on yeah. the last page of the planner, right. the blank page, where you're like, all right, things that are happening next year. Right. It's the only thing <laughs> on that page. Yeah. But he is brilliant. He is leading the way for us all. I first heard those songs, Barrington Stage, summer of 2013, and uh -huh. the place was transfixed. I'm totally psyched for that. And I'm also, uh, I want to plug myself. I'm excited. Uh, my new show, Rager, is going to be uh, stage reading performed at the Shakespeare Academy in Stratford, Connecticut on Sunday, October 7th. So if you're in Connecticut and you want to see a great new show, come check out Rager October 7th. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. This was the best. Um, now we're just going to, you know, go through the entirety of Trouble once we, yes. <laughs> once we turn this Okay, up. from the top. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. Please rate this podcast on iTunes, subscribe, share it with your friends, and like our Facebook page, Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.